This is Tamika Kasdan with Think, Flow, Grow. I'm here in Houston, Texas, but available worldwide via Patreon. If you are interested in bringing classes, workshops, yoga education, and anything else that helps you vibrate a little bit higher and feel that you are building compassion in the world, find me on Patreon at Tamika Kasdan Miller. Today's show is going to be co-hosted with Kim Pence, who is a phenomenal energy worker and energy healer here in Houston, Texas. Kim Pence has been doing work with people here in Houston and elsewhere and is now located wherever you are via the Kindness Sanctuary, a platform hosted via Zoom and will be turning into brick and mortar soon. Uh, Kim Pence has been working with people um, all over who are seeking healing from personal trauma, physical healing, all sorts of ways of in which uh, trauma and has been trapped in the body that manifest in physical, metaphysical ways. Uh, Kim has been doing work to help the individual to create shifts in their own lives by coming into healing over those areas in their lives that that need it. She also has been doing uh, a lot of work to just be in the practice of raising the vibration of local communities in the United States by bringing um, awareness in the form of her own workshops and podcasts and radio shows that she has been on. So we're very happy to have her on today. Kim Pence is also a part of Ashe Yoga and Wellness, part of our faculty and training faculty. She is a part of our pranayama team and energy team um, and is a part of the Ashe Yoga teacher training that will be happening um, for the very first time at the end of the summer. So I invite you all to check out more about her on her website, kimpencelight.com or on her Instagram, kimpencelight. Uh, you can also find blurbs about her and about what's happening at uh, and with Ashe Yoga and Wellness at asheyoga.com. So thank you guys for tuning in. We had uh, several technical difficulties at the beginning of the show, and so we are now joining the show in progress. Um, the show is really going to be talking about uh, lots of different ways in which we are going to be birthing healing into our own lives and uh, and into others by helping to be a part of healing of others during the time of the coronavirus pandemic that is uh, creating a lot of uncertainty and uh, despair in the world. So again, this show is really going to be about today cultivating a sense of healing and compassion in a world that is that is hurting. And um, so today we're going to be discussing compassion, energy work, ancestral trauma, and healing. And we will be doing all of that with Kim Pence Light, who is working to get onto the show. We are talking about compassion, energy work, ancestral trauma, and healing. But first, what I want to do is just talk about the fact that 
right now everyone's kind of having a huge, a really big kind of WTF moment, um, talking about how life's distractions can be so distracting. We are inviting those distractions. Um, and now that we have uh, stopped downloading or we've stopped like receiving all those downloads from the outside world, now we are left with just our internal landscape. So what do we do now that so that you can actually experience peace in a time in which we are having such difficulties? So this is really something that is a problem at this moment because people are realizing just how unsettled we are right now. Um, so I'm wondering for you guys who are listening, what are you experiencing right now, now that you we are in this time of uncertainty? And, and what is this highlighting for you as humans, you know, as a human in this world? What is this highlighting for you? I know that for me personally, I have been experiencing a sensation of inspiration and of creativity. And so because I'm in this moment of inspiration and creativity, I feel like a lot of things that I've been doing have been uh, validated, which has been amazing. And, uh, but I do know that not a lot of people are in this experience. And I also know that that sensation of feeling um, validated uh, in what I'm doing and what I'm creating is not, also it's not, it's not consistent. So for example, last week, I really was, you know, I hit the wall on what I call the hit the wall on optimism, because there was just um, too difficult of a time to um, continue just being optimistic. I mean, I, there was a point in which it was just like, okay, um, I, I actually am feeling this pressure of the world. And I discussed that um, in the episode from last week on, on that. So I'm curious about how you guys are feeling. Are you feeling creative? Are you feeling depressed? Are you just non-feeling? What is going on with you right now? I do see that Kim Pence has come in to the... Um, to our live studio. And we've also been uh, joined by Daphne, Joie, and someone else who I can't see. So welcome to the conversation. <clears throat> so what have you guys been experiencing is the question. And now Kim Pence is going to come on. So we will welcome her. Hi, Kim. We're so happy that you finally were able to make it in. So we, um, I've told everyone a little bit about what you're doing in the kindness sanctuary and, you know, and, and that we're talking about uh, healing and compassion, energy work and ancestral trauma today. And what would you say is, what do you as an energy healer, what would you say is what you are feeling right now? Or what are people feeling or experiencing right now? So what I'm really experiencing is, is really, um, kind of a roller coaster. Um, the energy feels very much like it shifts, um, pretty, uh, substantially from 
from hour to hour, from day to day, and some days in the past few weeks where we've been um, in further and further quarantine or um, social distancing is how we started, and now it sort of more feels like we're in a, a state of quarantine. And I um, am noticing that um, energetically what's going on is this really ethereal, almost otherworldly state of quiet that's descended. And that is, that is really a foreign feeling for most of us, especially those of us who live in cities. For, for others who live in uh, country settings or quieter rural settings, um, that sensation of this slowing down of the energy field may not be felt quite as dramatically, but still it's resonating out into the field, the collective field of energy that we're all part of, that we're all um, experiencing, whether or not we're, we're sensitive, um, intuitive, um, or whether we're pretty hardened to the reality of feeling energies. Um, so the, that's what I'm really feeling today. It has been... Um, more a feeling of uh, the the collective uncertainty comes in, and some of that can feel like anxiousness. Um, and then, depending on what environment you are uh, feeding yourself with, that can get really ramped up. So, in my in my um, experience when I am around um, a lot of information coming in um, that may not be of the highest vibration, a lot of um, publicity or, or media feed that is really focused on um, what's wrong and the, the fear and all of the things that are, that are different that we're not used to, then the energy can get quite dense um, and sort of like we're slogging through it. Um, if you are feeding yourself um, and the information field around you with um, wellness, with compassion, with uh, collective concern, which I, I find is a healthy energy to be in, mm -hmm. then there's a calm and a, and a, and a state of um, rest that we can get to, uh, which is yeah. highly beneficial for our nervous systems to be in. Yeah, and I've actually, it's very interesting that you mentioned that because um, I actually uh, read an article about a woman in a tiny rural area outside of Houston who actually caught coronavirus or COVID-19 um, <clears throat> and uh, didn't really know what was going on because she hadn't, she didn't have a TV at home. And so she did not realize that she actually was, um, you know, she had this, this disease. She didn't know what it was. She just thought it was like allergies and flu or something like that. And it wasn't until friends started calling in to check on her to when she was saying, you know, she wasn't feeling well or blah, blah, blah. 
her friends started calling in and saying, oh my gosh, are you dying? This, you, you have this really deadly disease. You need to get to the hospital right now. And so she was just like, oh, I, I had no idea. I had something to be worried about. And it was because she didn't, she doesn't have a TV at home. Um, she does not, you know, and I, I also don't watch a lot of TV. Well, until now where this seems to be one of the few things we can do, but it was incredible how she shifted from, oh, okay, I have a flu, I have a cough, I have, I have you know, allergies to, oh my gosh, am I going to die? Um, and her symptoms didn't change. The only thing that changed around her was everyone's reactions. She, mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's so important for us to understand that so much of what we're feeling right now is because of this collective response, this collective traumatic response to information um, that um, we are not actually, most of us are not actually experiencing. And although, so this fear response or this anxiety response is coming out of um, our imagination. And, um, and so we are imagining the worst case scenario, imagining what could happen to our loved ones, imagining what could happen to ourselves instead of being in um, the consciousness of ourselves. And I think that, you know, it's important for us to know what's going on in the world in that we all become participants of what is necessary to do what is right for the world. So I'm speaking to social distancing, self-quarantining, if you have, you know, symptoms and things like that, social distancing, even though you do not have symptoms, just by being a compassionate person, understanding that you could be a carrier, you know, um, and, and doing that for the greater good of the world. But I think that taking on the anxiety or the fear from others uh, is no longer being compassionate to ourselves. And that is what's actually, I think, contributing to a lot of the um, the news feed because of course media wants want for us to remain plugged in so that they can pay their bills. And we and and fear is a great motivator to keep get people interested. Um, so yeah, so I, I I definitely see this this heaviness or this pessimism. Um, um, that's going around this anxiety, a collective anxiety right now, um, that we're all experiencing that goes beyond consciousness and just into a fear zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think what's really important, um, for us to, to learn, and maybe this is new information for some, is that we actually have a choice about what we put our attention to and what we pay attention to, what we give our attention and our awareness to actually grows. So we, we are, um, we're great manifestors and our minds are really powerful and our minds also, um, will take us down a rabbit hole if we allow our mind to do that. So if we can become the observer and recognize that perhaps I'm in a conversation with somebody who's got some fear or some, some worry going on. Um, and so if I become the observer of myself 
in that conversation. I can notice that my mind is wanting to engage with that uh, anxiousness or fear. And I can simply choose to say, yeah, but I right now in this moment don't feel anxious or afraid. So I'm going to stay in my place of equanimity. I'm going to stay in my place of being in my own presence and being aware of how I feel pretty neutral right now. I feel pretty safe and I am going to choose to to hold the space of listening to my friend who is having some of these feelings come up, but I'm not going to engage with them. I'm simply going to observe and I'm going to also notice and observe that I'm fine. I feel fine. My needs are really met right now. I'm aware of what's going on around me and in this present moment, which is the most powerful place that we are, is when we're present with ourselves, then noticing that really I'm okay and I'm going to stay in this space of being internally peaceful and still if I can get there and or, or aware, happy, joyful. Um, and, and I'm going to allow myself to be where I am and I'm not going to let my mind tell me that I need to be afraid simply because I'm hearing that someone else is. One thing that I will say is that, um, I believe that awareness is the doorway to compassion and freedom. And when we're able to step into that role of observer and we learn how to do it with others, we also learn how to do it with ourselves. Um, so often we have all of our feelings come up and, and when our feelings come up or our, um, our um, emotions um, come up, and we're feeling, oh, I'm, I'm so stupid. This is the, what I do. Or I'm, you know, binge watching TV or I'm binge eating. And, oh, now I need to, I need to um, go run seven miles tonight because I had this and I wasn't supposed to be eating that. You know, all of these things start coming up as self-flagellation at that point. You know, it's just like, let me just beat myself up. Let me just tell myself how stupid and how awful I am, as opposed to just stepping into observation to build awareness and to, to say, okay, you know, this is, this is what I'm doing right now. Does this serve me? Doesn't this serve me? And now what, what's possible from here? When we're practicing that with our friends who are feeling a certain kind of way and are putting those feelings on us, we've, they've asked for consent to let us to to tell us how they're feeling we have acknowledged okay this is their stuff not my stuff in order to um create a compassionate space to to hold space without having to take that on and when we're practicing that active compassionate awareness toward others we are building the spiritual muscle to be able to do that for ourselves and i think that that's something that we we need right now because the more that we are by ourselves the more all of our demons 
uh, quote in quotation marks all of our all of our shadow self is going to come out and I, I really think there are only two ways to go there it's either to go down the compassion route or it's to go down the 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 self mutilation route and uh and and the question is which direction will we end up turning and because progress isn't linear we might find ourselves doing some circles uh, but you know but you know kind of playing in both areas but hopefully we we go into that awakened side that that compassion side um more than we do any of the self-mutilation or self-flagellation um uh, that is i think inevitable when we're wrestling with our shadow selves i i completely agree um with that you know what you're talking about to megan um so how i see that 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 part that you're talking about that wants to really beat up on us um is i i tend to call that part the the internal critic Mm. Because that's really what that part is. And that part is, is part of part of our makeup. And the, the critic is, is paradoxically literally trying to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. And that critic got, it got developed when we were young and we were learning and inevitably when, when anyone is learning, they make mistakes and the critic gets developed as a way of trying to steer oneself into a, the path of, of success, but it is not a, a, a useful way to learn. And that, that part of us that's the critic is really a reaction to the fight, flight, or freeze response in our bodies. Mm. And that, that response um, get, triggers um, self-criticism um, and how we can, how we can um, work with that part of us rather than demonizing it or making it a villain, we can actually step into that place of being a, a, observing that our mind is having a conversation, right? That our mind, that, that the critic has been activated and that we can work with that critic by simply noticing that we've, we've begun being self-critical. And that's the exact opposite of compassion, Right when we activate the response of compassion, which is actually a physical location in our energy fields, it is a thing. Mm -hmm. When we activate that, we are activating the healing response. You know, I think that one thing that you said is so huge, which is these things that come up, you know, that we oftentimes criticize. Um, the things that come up for us that feel that make us feel um, less than or stupid or we're in a we're in a neurotic state or we're in we're in, you know, this this ugliness that we don't like to show the world. You know, those those things when our inner critic comes out and starts bringing those things to light, I think we fail to remember that all of those things and states and ways of being have served us at one point, And that's why they're there. Um, this is where I think we, we oftentimes try to run away from our shadow selves um, because we don't like it when it come, comes out. 
Um, oftentimes because it's coming out when it's not convenient, it's coming out when we're angry, tired, um, inebriated, or or some other um, depleted state. And because of that, then it comes out in a way in which feels uncontrolled. I mentioned last week, it's like, you know, the Kool-Aid man, like bum rushing through the wall and there's the shadow and it just like comes out and, and, um, and acts out, if you will, in all sorts of different ways. But if we turn into, um, if we acknowledge that inner critic and, and understand that all of those things and, and that we have in us have been and are useful when we are in acknowledgement of A, their existence and B, of their usefulness. And then we can, we can sit there and say, okay, I remember a time in which I, um, I identified that I had this addictive behavior. So instead of saying, oh, this is what I do you know, I'm going back into this, this, this thing and having that internal critic just come out and, um, and beat us. Um, and instead of that say, oh no, I, I actually had a moment in which I identified this as something of myself and I used it as an impetus for change and and just observe it. I, I just think that we, we want to hide so much of our nature that we that that inner critic kind of takes over instead of um, being useful, and I and I know that you're teaching people, you know, how to use um, their own tools to be able to come into communion with their whole selves, so that we can be more compassionate um, with ourselves and, of course, with the world. Shars mm. just jumped in and she says hello. Shars is. Um, here from Houston, a lot of Houston folks on right now. Hi, you guys. Remember that if you have a question or a thought, um, uh, please place it in the live feed so that um, we may speak to it because your opinion, your commentary is just so important because you you matter and your thoughts matter. Shars has mentioned in the live feed that this is such an interesting time to be an observation of the behaviors that arrive. And she says, I think that what we fear is that there's nothing else to blame because we have nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. and, and so we avoid, you know, we're trying to avoid what's coming up. Mm -hmm. e e yesterday, I or the day before, Echo Eckhart Tolle posted something that I think people are gonna get really upset about, which was um, essentially he said that the, 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 the problem isn't um isn't fear or the problem isn't i, I want to quote him correctly so i'm going to try to find it um but he said the problem is resistance exactly it's that's so true and you know i want to offer people one of the ways that they can actually work with the critic which is not is is exactly that it's it's going into what's coming up rather than vilifying, denying, rejecting, or hiding what, what we're feeling and that's coming up. The, the internal critic is, is talking about to us and we can actually just recognize that that's happening and say to the critic, Oh, I see you. I hear you. 
I know that you are trying to keep me safe, but I'm act, but that's not useful and beneficial to me any longer. Being yes. criticized by being self-critical isn't a useful tool anymore. And so what you're doing and doing that by recognizing, accepting, and being kind to the internal critic is you're actually giving it permission to deactivate. Yes, he actually said it may look as though a situation is creating suffering, but ultimately it is not. It is your resistance. That's exactly right. I think that by us just being present with ourselves and how we feel and being being okay with what comes up mm -hmm. is it's a huge way of, of being compassionate. I also think that this is now a really good time to speak to ancestral trauma because realistically right now, a lot of our um, responses are actually responses that are, I, I feel, aren't coming up from us or, or aren't, aren't regarding this particular situation, but rather they're situations that, that we, they're, they're conditioned responses that we have now um, stepped into because of ancestral trauma. And, um, and then we feel shame about how we feel where the, you know, where, because we haven't healed those elements within ourselves, things that learn behaviors that we didn't even realize we carry. And so I'll, I'll mention an example that has absolutely nothing to do with the pandemic, uh, right now, but rather just something that I wasn't aware of until, I was in the situation. I remember that my mother uh, told me uh, back uh, when I was probably a teenager and she said, you know, there's nothing scarier than a group of angry white men. And, um, and I thought to my, and I, and I, at the time, you know, I'm a teenager and like, I'm like, whatever, like, this is my mom doing, you know, that Southern Louisiana thing that she does because she's seen some stuff or whatever. And even at the time, I didn't even have absolute awareness to what um, she had been exposed to because she never wanted, she never just talked about it. And then I remember um, <laughs> when um, those, those uh, folks who have the torches and all that, and we're all angry and blah, 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 whenever they came up and they're, they were like, con you know, the, the contrarians to, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that. And I thought to myself, now, mind you, this is 30 years later. And my very first thought was, there's nothing scarier than a group of angry white men. And I thought, my God, that like that was that was that was put in my 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 brain field a long time ago. I've I've actually never had any personal experience with any with angry white men doing anything that was violent directly to me. But for sure, I felt uh, a fear that did not come out of that present moment. And, uh, and it was connected to, and I repeated my mother's words and I felt uh, a connection to everyone that had, you know, had an engagement or a tragedy related to groups of angry white men in the past in this country. And it just shows how that ancestral trauma 
gets embedded in us in, in many and varying ways. And then it comes out in the way that we speak to one another and speak to ourselves. And we don't even have oftentimes an awareness around um, that's, that's where we got it or why we're feeling how we feel. Again, just another reason why it's so important to be in observation mode, to know that, you know, a lot of what the reactions that we're having right now um, aren't from our current state of being. Some of them are, but some of them are not. Some of them are just ancestral things coming up and fear from, from unresolved lineage coming up. And I know that you do work with ancestral tra trauma, um, Kim. So what, um, are, what do you have to say about that? And also any listeners, if you've had any like experiences, feel free to place that in to our thread. So, um, you're, you're exactly, you described, um, ancestral trauma and the way it gets transferred uh, so beautifully, Mika, unfortunately, and, um, and unfortunately, you have that experience. Um, and so how I can describe um, ancestral trauma in the energetic field. So everything is energy. We're, we're made of energy. Thoughts are energy, right? That's the, the statement thoughts are things is exactly true. And science has proven this, that thoughts actually have a resonance. They have a vibration just like we do, just like the earth does, just like, you know, the um, computer does. So um, the, the collective field of energy that we're in, the, the void, as some scientists call it, or, or the um, black velvety void, um, the zero point field, as Lynn McTaggart's work has um, coined the term, um, talks about this collective field of energy and um, how when experiences happen, uh, those experiences, when they're not processed, linger in the energy field and they become thought forms. Mm. And we, we collect those thought forms up on our DNA and it's carried forward in our lineage. Mm. And until there is some resolution with the trauma that's happened, when there, then that thought form continues to be carried forward on the DNA to your children and your their children and their children. When we when we stop and we become present enough to become the observer of our lives, which we've been talking about. Um, and and how, how do you do that, first of all, right? How do you become the observer? So the, the, the most beneficial way to do that is to get still, get quiet, and listen internally. This is, you know, mindfulness practices are everywhere now. It's exploding across culture and everybody's got some experience with mindfulness. And when we can become mindful, that gives us the opportunity to become the witness 
to witness what's going on in our thoughts. What part of me is speaking to me? Is it the critic? Is it the loving, kind part of me? What part of me? And so then you become the observer. And when we're able to do that, we're able to recognize, as you so eloquently were, that, wait a minute, I've never really had any direct experience with a group of angry white men, but I know that my mother did. Mm-hmm. And so, so then you are presented with the opportunity to do the work of healing around that experience that you've carried forward because she carried it forward from her mother and her mother carried it forward from her mother. And so it's, it's got a, it's got a big bite to it, right? It's got a lot of power behind it because it's accumulated over many, many generations. And as, as the observer, you can step in and say, I'm going to do my own internal healing work to heal the ancestral trauma that I have around the fear of a group of angry white men. And then that thought form, it is healed in your collective DNA, seven generations behind you and seven generations ahead of you. It, it literally is elimin- eliminated out of the collective field of energy. It's so crazy because we think of healing as something that is so personal, but it actually is, is, is for the it's for higher consciousness, it's for our entire family line, you know, and when we heal an element of ourselves, we heal that ancestral line as well. You know, I think we, it's so important to understand that, you know, for for me as a black woman, a black queer woman in this country, um, I, I know that I, uh, reflect a lot of different uh, traumas um, from from different groups because different um, ways that intersectionality of being that in this country means that uh, there are lots of different ways of, of of being traumatized or marginalized. And the the more that I step into um, the the healing of the recognition of what my actual experience is, not to demean or, or to uh, underestimate or undermine the experience of others, but when I recognize what is mine and I can, um, I can step into healing over what is mine, I think it's so very important to, to know that that healing transcends my, my singular experience. And then I'm no longer passing that down to my daughter um, and I no longer have the or then she doesn't either i already know that there are things that have been healed what's crazy about what you say is that when it comes to you know the situation that i mentioned with my mom you know uh i i also asked my mother at some other point i think this was in my when i was around 18 you know why didn't you tell me about your experience with the civil rights movement and all the things and da 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 and she said well i lived in a small town so a lot of what was happening in the large towns i actually didn't experience so what's crazy is that that wasn't even her experience either that was the experience that she knew was out there she knew that had that that her family had experienced or her 
grandparents, her mother, her parents had experience, but it wasn't even her direct experience either. And so it's really interesting to see how these these thoughts do become become things um, and they they manifest in whatever way we're, we're putting them out there. And how how then will we be the stewards of the healing of those who secede us? You know, because what, however we're we're treating our own selves becomes um, something that is uh, uh, we're we're in stewardship over not only our our ancestors' um, traumas and or rather their their lineage their legacy, but we're also stewards over who comes be- behind us. Um, Joie just messaged in and she just said she was literally just thinking about. Um, asking one of her older friends, his name is uh, Charles, he's um, in his 70s, about what it was like to live in America during the times of the draft. Um, this um, this friend uh, that we share, Charles, I've actually talked to him about um, what it was like to live as a, as a gay man, you know, in the time of being, um, you know, even before, before then, before the the year 2000, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that, and thank you so much for your question, Joie. Um, it's important, I think, to get a context of what life was like during those times. And I think it's also super important to understand that I am, you are, that I am not going to take on your trauma, but I'm going to be here to hold space while you discuss it. Um, and I'm not going to embody that trauma. And then now that I've embodied it, just like when we, what we eat or, or drink when we're pregnant, the, the emotions and spiritual concepts that we, we embody, um, our mental hygiene, everything that we embody then gets birthed into, um, the next generation. And so in, in that, in that, concept we are in a a constant state of uh gestation you know by uh, by understanding what we are ingesting and knowing that we are going to pass that forward so the question is what will we pass forward what will we birth into the next generation which then has to be contended with for the next several generations uh joa said it's a weird concept just like being in the time of a pandemic or segregation, yeah, because what will be interesting is how we then are embodying being in this pandemic moment and how this will be birthed into the next generation. Um, And I think we get to choose how we move forward and how we heal. Are there other questions out there right now from you guys or comments? And Kim, are you still there? I am. Okay. I am here. Yeah. So, so how important then, well, I think I've, I've already answered my own question, but for you as uh, an energy healer, um, for me, I definitely see that my own healing affects not only the people who were before me, but also the people who will come after me. Um, can you speak to how important it is for me personally, um, without considering ancestry or lineage, 
how important is it for me to come into healing and what does that affect in my lifetime right now? Um, so personally with, without considering, um, ancestral lineage, either, uh, behind or forward, what is so important about doing our own healing work is that it frees us to live from our place of true authenticity. And it allows us when we do our internal healing work, when we heal the traumas and wounds, when we, when we heal the conditioning and programming that is not beneficial to us that we received and we come back into our wholeness, we can then really discover our true nature and we can discover our, our real purpose, why we've come here, what gifts do we have to offer to the world, what insights and wisdom do we have, have we gained from all of the lifetimes that we've lived, that we've actually come here to share and to assist in the awakening and collective healing of humanity. So it's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big, big reward when we do our own internal healing work, because we then get to live from our own state of pure, authentic character. And we get to uncover our magic and our brilliance and the things that we do that no one else on the planet does our own unique signature that we've come to share with the world. And as we're doing that, we are helping the collective heal and come into their own. So we're, so as we do our work, we become the, the lighthouse or the, or the beacon mm. um, or the way shower for those who are just just beginning to come into realization that they're not their crazy minds, that they're not their critical selves, that there's there's a brilliance and a light and an authenticity and a uniqueness that the world needs. We we are all needed. We all have gifts that that belong here and need to be expressed out into the world. You know that. Um, that's how really brilliant things happen in the world is, is um, people do their healing work and they come to a place where they accept who they truly are. And then they begin to live from that place, even if it's scary, even if there are detractors and they begin to do what they know to do. That's how brilliant things get birthed out into the world, like the incredible body of work that Georgia O'Keeffe birthed into the world. Some of the incredibly brilliant musicians um, that, you know, just think if if the, the folks who um, invented jazz had not had the courage to be their authentic selves. We wouldn't have that entire genre of music that, that is so rich and, and luscious and gives us so much as human beings, gives us so much joy and pleasure. 
I think that's um, such a huge, huge statement. You know, I, I look at the, the people who I, I, I tell this story often because I think it's a really important thing to say. Um, but I, I remember um, being in a conversation with a, a woman I had just met and I'm going to give her a shout out here because she deserves it. Her name is Alex. And she, I had literally just met her. She'd come to one of my yoga classes. And what she didn't know was that that night I was having such a crazy, crazy, crazy moment um, because I was having so much drama um, regarding um, uh, a property I was trying to buy. But the property that I was trying to buy wasn't just for me. The property was, um, was, for an endeavor that's for the community. Um, by the way, Bron just came on. So good to see you, Bron 2001. Um, I am happy that you're here and I hope that you will share um, what it is that, how you are dealing with the challenges right now. So anyway, uh, Alex came to this class at the invitation of her friends. I was having this huge internal meltdown and um, and I we went out to to dinner after the class, and I mean it is very rare that I have meltdowns. Number one, and number two, um, having to teach a class meant that I was holding a lot of space for sixty minutes, and um, and so that meant that everything that I was feeling had to shut off in that moment. And 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 because of that, it commenced again as soon as class was over. So class ended and I'm over there and, and I accidentally just shat out all of my <laughs> feelings onto, onto the people who were around. And it was, it was an accident. It was like a, a Jackson Pollock upon the people that I was with. Um, and because I was so, I had held so much space that I, I couldn't do it anymore. And, um, and, uh, and I was saying, I just, I don't know if this is meant to happen. And this woman, Alex, who again, didn't know well at all, just said, whatever you're, you are doing was meant to be, was meant to be here. Like your goals, your dreams, your vision is a part of what the universe wants for us, what the universe needs that came out of a need from higher consciousness and it, and it needs to be birthed into higher consciousness. So whatever you want is meant to happen. Don't worry about it. Now, mind you, she was not telling me something that I was completely unfamiliar with, but I could not get there in that moment. I couldn't in that moment get to the fact that a vision that had been placed upon my heart and my spirit was actually something that was coming out of something that was bigger than me, out of higher consciousness. And so I was just simply about, well, I guess I... I, I guess this isn't going to happen for me. And she's like, no, this is absolutely going to happen for you. I may not know your last name, but I know enough to know that this is meant for you. And just if, if I would have never seen her again, just that comment what was enough to put all of the things that I'm manifesting currently back into action and everything that comes from this moment Everything uh, rather that comes after this, everything that I'm doing, my wellness center that I'm building, 
um, my, my nature scape that I'm building, all of the classes, all of the workshops, all of the things that come out um, that, that are actually birthed into the land that, that we've acquired to build all of these things is a direct reflection of that one three minute statement and conversation from her because I could have given up in that moment. And in that moment, she offered healing for my spirit, which was disturbed, and I couldn't see my own path. So I think that people underestimate their worth and how much um, what they say truly matters, no matter if it's a one-off interaction with the person or if you're with a person for your whole life. You're, you're, your influence is helping to birth higher consciousness or the, the, the reflection of higher consciousness into this time frame. And every single person here has something that they're offering the people around them. And whether your influence is one or if it's a million, you know, everyone is offering something on some sort of scale. And it's important to remember that. So for me, healing looks like, you know, dealing, coping with my own BS so that I can get and healing that, not just coping with it, but healing it so then that I can then usher in my part of whatever higher consciousness looks like reflected in this 21st century and 2020s. What does that look like? I can't do that if I'm mired down in my own crap. So I just, I just want to add that to the concept of healing, personal healing for this moment right now is just so important um, because we are, we are absolutely informing others with our own either BS or brilliance. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so true. You know, it's so true what you're what you're um, talking about, Tamika, because we have so much influence. Our words are powerful. And it's really important, especially at this pause that we have, this beautiful opportunity that we're being given is to stop and go inward and to do the internal work that needs to be done and to be mindful and to be aware of how powerful we are, that we are influencers. Mm -hmm. Exactly as you said, whether we're working with one or a million, we our words are influencing what happens around us. And if we are being intentional with our words and we're being we are coming from this place of compassion, which is kindness in action. That's what the energy of compassion is. It's kindness in action. And when we come from that place, when we come from our own true authenticity, we are powerful manifestors and we can affect change in the world and we can birth into reality what we actually want to be living rather than what we've been living through. 
And this is so important as well because of exactly that woman that I, the story that I mentioned earlier about the woman who had um, coronavirus and felt that mm-hmm. she was okay until her friends started saying, you're going to die, you know, and all this stuff. The exact same, uh, the opposite is also true. You know, if we come into our own um, healing of ourselves and we are compassionate beings with ourselves, we cultivate the, uh, the observer for ourselves, then we are also less reactionary. We are more kind. And so then when it comes to others who are having these um, difficulties in their lives, in their world, whether it be legitimate grief over the the death of a a person or the death of an idea, the death of a reality, whatever the case may be, you know, when people are actually in suffering, we then begin, we get to be that light to them. Um, Not to not, and not in any type of way that's self-serving. It's just a light in the darkness because I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I have been in those low grief places, I felt that there was no light. And so having someone be light to me in those moments was really important because um, just like being, uh, I I speak on my blog um, about feeling trapped when I did a Temascal or a, um, a, a sweat lodge, which actually Kim was in that sweat lodge. And I felt so trapped in that sweat lodge and I was claustrophobic before I went in, I came out non-claustrophobic, but um, I felt so trapped and all I needed was just a little sliver of light and a little sliver of air to be able to stay in the sweat lodge until I no longer needed it. So that that sensation of feeling trapped, you know, um, is, is, is an ultimate darkness. And when we can be even just a teeny tiny light to someone even even with our own stuff, we're still working with our own things because none of us, I think, are like perfected beings. And I don't even know that that's a goal. But when we can just shine that little bit of light, it just gives that little ray of hope. It's the it's the Rothko painting, right? It's the little tiny bit of yellow in a sea of, of darkness that says there is hope here. And we can be that mm-hmm. to other people, which I think is so important, not not only now, but especially right now. And I think, too, one thing I definitely want to mention, we have about 10 minutes left in our show, um, was, and and while I'm saying these last things, please, you guys, if you have questions, feel free to call in or comments, feel free to call in um, just by pressing the button to call in. Um, also, you can leave your comments. But I think I think the, the other thing um, about um, where we are, um, right now in humanity is that if we if we do not um, do the work of the healing, if we do not step into the work of the healing, mind you, we have been practicing for this moment. If we do not step into that work, then we lose all of what's possible right now in this pause, the, the possible enlightenment. Adri is chiming in right now. I'm going to connect to her. Hi, Adri. I am so excited that you are here. Talk to me, Goose. (laughs) Yes. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. So I just wanted to um, check in and say hi to everybody. But 
Um, one thing that Kim mentioned about all of us being influencers, uh, one of the social experiments that just popped into my head and I had just listened to a podcast about it was where uh, participants were brought in and, you know, they were asked to uh, administer a shock to other people uh, regardless of uh, if they can take it or not. You know, the, the lab, the white, uh, white coat um, mm. experiment. Um, mm. Well, in this podcast, it asked, well, during that situation, we all pl place ourselves um, in the uh, shoes of the influencee. Mm. And it's hard for us to think of ourselves as influencers. So um, definitely, I believe that everything that, you know, we put out there and uh, we don't know who we're influencing because it's hard for us to view ourselves as such um, because of so much power. Uh, but yeah, it just brought to, it just came to me um, that what Kim said. Mm, 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 mm. That is brilliant. And I, I, I hadn't even, what awareness it takes to, to even acknowledge the fact that you're putting yourself in the shoes of, of being, of being the one influenced. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, and we automatically revert to that because we don't, we don't see our own power. Um, and mm. sometimes it's a little hard for us to see when we're being influenced. Um, but when we do come to the realization, I think that's where we don't, we never see the point that we could have changed it or we could have, you know, decided to go a different route. And the, and, and the opposite is also true. I think sometimes we know exactly how powerful we are and that's scary because we Definitely, have to, yeah. we have to accept the fact that, um, that other people will, will see us. Other people get to make comments on how we interact with the world. And it's a lot easier to play things small. You know, it's a lot easier to not step into influencing other people, but that's just a farce and a fallacy. We're always influencing other people. We might be influencing them with our smallness or we're influencing them with our bigness. But at any given time, we are teaching people what, what, what humanity looks like by giving people an experience with one another. So, you know, it, I think the, the, I think we need to, get over our own our own insecurities because we are already doing the work we're afraid of <laughs> yeah and doing I, the work without the audience definitely <laughs> or doing the work with the audience the audience is there whether or not we see it the audience That's someone is influenced by you right now in your immediate or non-immediate sphere of influence and you have no idea because you because maybe they haven't told you but someone is influenced by you and something of course you know the people who are influenced by you but there's always also someone who is influenced by you and they don't even know they're influenced by you so we're we're always influencing people and we're also always being influenced which which also means how important it is to um, be in deep awareness of the people we have around us. <laughs> mm. thank, thank you so much, Adriana. Kim, did you have anything thank you wanted you. to comment to Adriana or um, anything else to mention? I actually do. And I want to 
I want to um, thank her for her comments because um, it is absolutely true. We are influencing the energetic field of consciousness in every moment. And so the question becomes, how do you want to contribute to the collective field of consciousness? Do you want to bring it light? Do you want to bring it awareness? Do you want to bring kindness and compassion? Or do you want to bring hate? Do you want to bring fear? Do you want to bring anxiety? And being, being really aware that we are powerful beings, whether we know it or not, and that we are influencing the, the, all of humanity by what we say, what we think, and what we feel simply by being energetic beings. So when we have this great opportunity now to be aware of what we're, what we're putting out there, what we're offering. Are mm. you are you coming to a friend who you know more than likely if you're friends, you know that they are not plugged into uh, media, that they don't own a television? Are you coming and saying, having them tell you, oh yeah, I've, I've been really feeling crummy lately and I've got this cold. And, um, and so are you bringing them, oh wow, what can I do to help? Or are you saying, oh, my God, you've got it. Which are yeah. you <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I know for sure I want to be one of the people who has that conversation with a friend that I know is not plugged in, that does not have awareness of maybe what's going on. And I want to say, oh, wow, you know, do you have enough to eat? Can I bring you something? You know, have you, right? I want to be that person. That's the influence that I want to consciously bring to humanity. And it's, mm. and, and you're bringing in choice. Thank you again, Adriana. Did you have anything else to thank add? Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you ladies for doing this and holding the space. Thank you. Oh, our pleasure. All right. Take care then. I, I, I think, too, I think too, it, it, it also, um, you know, I think w the the fear of what we will bring will always will will sometimes be there, but hopefully the the vision for what is possible in a in a positive way is um, is bigger than the fear. Um, that question of what do I want to contribute? You know, we're we're all contributing something. And I, I just I just hope that we're asking that bigger question. Um, Shars uh, typed in or, or commented in um, that this is a reminder for her that what we're here for is so much bigger than ourselves. Um, so that what we're allowing in our lives in any form of consumption or habit, I don't think people realize, sorry, I'm interrupting her comment by saying, yes, Shars, everything that we're doing is 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 allowing our in being allotted into our lives in in the form of consumption consumption or a habit anywho she says what we're allowing into our lives in any form of consumption or habit or self-talk that we allow in shows up in the way we interact and contribute to our external peers and world 
for me is showed up in the way that I teach and hold space for others. When I started caring for and nourishing myself with more nourishing food and liquids, and for me personally, that was not drinking alcohol, it allowed my teaching to be felt by others in a deeper energetic way. And the conversations I had shifted, the interactions I had shifted, the people and the things that entered into my life shifted, et cetera, et cetera. This is so huge. Um, uh, uh, and I, I think that we are either in that and ready for that sensation of stepping into that aware state, or we are reluctant to, to step into that. Um, and, and I think that reluctance will continue to cause suffering, continue to keep people in our lives that aren't the, the, the deep energetic connections that are not nourishing. I think that we're, we're 100% in choice and, um, and whatever is our reality is a reflected, a reflection of those choices that we have made. Um, and so when we, when we acknowledge the work that we're doing as, as being so much bigger than ourselves, which by the way, you also have to have some awareness for that, right? Like what Shars mentioned is, is starting from a place of awareness. I don't even think, I think if you're not aware, you're, you're kind of not even necessarily ready to even step into the, the bigness of, of the, of the awareness that what you do matters. But once you do step into that awareness of what I do matters, what I do is bigger than myself, bigger than this moment, bigger than, um, and then coming into awareness and mindfulness about how we consume or what our habits are or how, or the lies that we tell ourselves or the mantra that we create for ourselves, acknowledging that everything that we say repeatedly is mantra, you know, that, that really, um, is what's going to create the shifts in our lives, the shifts toward growth or the shift toward devolution. But <laughs> either, either way it's going to happen. Are we going to be in struggle mode the entire, for, for entirety, or are we going to be in growth mode and, 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 and enjoy, you know? So, um, yeah. Are there any other questions or comments that we can address for you before we um, shut it down and wrap up here. I'm just wondering if anyone else has a question, a call, a statement they want to offer and what you believe matters, what you're saying matters. And Kim, if you have any. Mm -hmm. Sorry about interrupting. Yeah. I'll offer one more thing about if you find yourself in resistance, what can you do about it? Right. And so what what you can do is when you notice that you're in resistance, you can ask for help. And that can be as simple as saying to the universe, to the universal source, to God, goddess, to the great mystery, to energy, to whatever you call that thing help. I feel lost. I feel in resistance. And I know that I need to have some support. Please bring someone into my life who can help me and support me. 
to change and to flow and to grow. This is huge because what you just said from what I heard was to ask for help from that which is bigger than us to listen and then to then be directed to the people who will support us in our endeavors, the action that will support us in our endeavors, as opposed to the natural inclination for most people, which is to go to our best friend or that person we trust, ask for their help. We have a source that is bigger than our best friend, the people in our lives. And we can put, we can ask for that help. We can ask for the help from source, from God. We can also ask for guidance from our ancestors, from those who have already gone through the bigger problems. They've already transitioned, but they, we've already, they've already gone through harder things with less. And we can go in and ask them to, to, to come in and to give us guidance. And we don't have to ask people who are on in the same field with us right now, who may not be the right people to be asking those questions because they don't have the perspective of, of the great mystery. They don't have the perspective of God. They don't have the perspective of our ancestors because they're in the exact same time frame for consciousness that we are. We're in. So going to something that is bigger is really important. And then we get shown the people who are going to come into our lives or the people who are already in our lives uh, or the people enter our lives, like what happened with you and me, Kim, that then help bring us into that, that helps shift us into that next um, iteration of what life looks like. And I will say from my own personal experience, my life looks very different today than it did even five years ago. Um, and then if you go back a decade, it's, it's even more different. It was so superficial and surface. So I'm very thankful for um, the people who have come into my life as a result of me being open enough and broken enough to ask for divine intervention, which is exactly what happened. And, and, and I can, and it, and it still happens because right now and the next step of the things that we're, I'm working on, it's going to have to come from something bigger than me and bigger than the people I know to make it happen. And so asking for that help is, is really important. Um, I really appreciate um, you, Kim, for, for being in on this episode. Um, I appreciate all of the people who have commented um, and share their thoughts, Joie, Shars, Adri, um, Braun, um, Katie, um, and those who didn't comment, but were there um, supporting this conversation, um, Sylvia and uh, Garza, or Gaza, sorry, and others who are here, uh, who are just supporting this dialogue with their presence um, I appreciate all of you for being here because I um, feel that this is really important work and, um, and these are really important conversations. Um, I invite all of you, I will be posting this as a podcast episode. And so if you would please um, share the episode with your people so that they can, maybe there's something in it for them that can help them. 
Um, so please do do that. Also, um, I would like to thank Kim for being on. Kim, again, is an, an energy healer here based in Houston, Texas, but not limited to Houston because energy travels. Uh, and so her, um, her endeavor, the Kindness Sanctuary, is up and available for you to be a part of. It's hosted through Zoom. And she um, and, and it, it, there's a collective that meets Tuesdays at um, 6 p.m. Is that right, Kim? Yes. So 6 p.m. Tuesdays is when um, everyone comes to meet or come together. And then at uh, and then from that meeting, there are other opportunities to then get energy healing from her directly. Beyond that, um, there are you can find her on Instagram and on Facebook at Kim Pence Light. So please also check in with her there. And then, of course, there are um, multiple ways of engaging with myself. As I mentioned at the beginning of the of the show, um, I also am available now everywhere through my online platform of Patreon. So you can become a patron of Ashe Yoga so that you have meditations, education, workshops, and special events that come directly to you. This Saturday is one of them where I'm going to have um, a, a soundscape restorative um, meditation. Um, so you'll have sound healing that is happening um, while you're guided through Yoga Nidra. It's going to be happening at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, and it will be live. And if you're a patron of Ashe Yoga, that special event is free for you. But if you are not, then you will um, be able to join at a very um, small investment um, of $25, or if that doesn't work for you, I'm actually not gonna turn anyone away. So whatever you can give is going to be accepted so that you can experience the sound bath meditation. Because really, I, 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 it's really important for me that we experience this right now. So thank you again for everyone who is involved and uh, I will put uh, Kim's contact details in the podcast uh, episode notes. Uh, this has been Think, Flow, Grow Live with Tamika Kasten-Miller. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And it is always my goal to be better than I have found you. I ha hope that happens for you today. Namaste.